Hi, and welcome to another episode of Not Another Bad Movie Podcast with me, Megan. Today, my guest is Daniel Kahn. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Megan. This was... How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. I'm really excited to talk about this movie, which is not something I ever thought I'd say in my life. <laughs> yeah, who would? What yeah. uh, was the movie we watched? The movie we watched was Death of a Cheerleader, a.k.a. A Friend to Die For. Yeah, that's like a recurring theme on the show is... Uh... Having two names for one movie. It seems like all made-for-TV movies Is it just for the thing. distribution? Or, like, are, are there just that many movies out there called Death of a Cheerleader in Austria or something? Austria? There's just too much... Yeah, I don't know. Overlap. This, you've got to be selling this to somewhere. Tori Spelling is just a globetrotter. <laughs> Fair enough. She was very big at the time. So was Kelly Martin. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, well, I seriously, I, I could not... I read up on this, which is also something I didn't think I'd ever do, is... Uh, I, I really am worried about my Google search history, but it was the highest-rated TV movie of 1994, which blows my mind. Well, I wonder how many made-for-TV movies there were at that time. Like, it wasn't well, it like be, Hallmark it, was making 60 a year or whatever. Maybe it just felt like it. They apparently beat it. They had the uh, the sequel to a, a Midnight Run. Okay. Which and then all eight Emmanuel sequels were apparently released in the same year. So it beat both sequel to a quite a good movie, and then eight Erotica. <laughs> I mean, well, I probably again, know where I would have fallen on the scale, but you know. Yeah, I've not heard of Emmanuel, but if that was oh, distributed, I don't want to rob you of. Yeah. <laughs> Someone will have, and I'll feel really bad about this moment. <laughs> if if that was distributed through, like, a Showtime or something like that, that's going to explain why. Yeah. Because I think this came out through, like, a network or something. Well, it's it's high class all the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, look, I, I knew it was going to be good the moment that I found out that Terry O'Quinn was going to be in it. Because I feel like every time I flipped on television when I was growing up and there was a TV movie on, I would see his beautiful bald head and just think, I'm in good hands. <laughs> Were he's you like, disappointed like that he's not animal. in it very much? <laughs> Look, he was in it the exact right amount, playing the exact right character. Yeah, this is true. He yeah, plays he was... <laughs> uh, Ed Sachs, I think is his name. Oh my god, I... I... I actually wrote down cast, but uh, I do not have his name. I'm going to assume it's Ed Sachs. And he was the perfect principal. Yeah. It's funny because um, there's like a cheer rally near the beginning of the movie. And he's talking, I mean, to the whole assembly, which is the whole high school. But he's addressing the younger <laughs> students. And he's like, you may have heard that the upperclassmen call me... Uh, Xlax because oh, it sounds like Ed oh Sachs. that's right. <laughs> and no, okay, I, was like, I, I, I have to ask. His last name already sounds like balls. Why do you got to make it Xlax? <laughs> so okay, Xlax predated him, right? I I had this moment when I was watching it, and I know smooth move Xlax because I'm an Australian who lives outside of the cultural bubble, which means that we got that a term about five years ago. But <laughs> it it came from somewhere before him, right? He's just. In, he's just getting a really good laugh out of the crowd. He's doing that sort of cool preacher moment where, like, I'm down with the kids, you know. They, oh, yeah. I get you. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm so relieved. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it came from this movie. I don't. Uh, although no, this movie I, was very popular, so it could have popularized the term. 
it's just one of those things where I assumed it was from somewhere else, and then I had that moment. I was like, well, Terry Quinn, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if anyone has the power to do it, I think he does. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he got he he did both this movie and Lost, so I think <laughs> something's going really right. <laughs> I mean, both cultural touchstones in their own right. Look, having watched this now, I'm going to say it's a cultural touchstone for me. <laughs> I will never not know where I was when I was watching Death of a Cheerleader and learning a lot about society. Because this movie had some really big things to say, and I, it I was really listening. does. <laughs> so, would you like to go in order? I actually have notes, and uh, this is the most notation I've done since... I was about to say school, but I didn't really take notes. <laughs> this is the most notation I've done. <laughs> Wow, I feel like I've impacted your life by making you watch this. Yeah, look, it's made me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Jewish lad, but I'll start going to church. Because <laughs> apparently all of the, the, uh, the deacons or whatever the hell he was, he's just, he just gets it, you know? Yeah, he really And he does. really tells off the community in a beautiful way that I appreciate. It's um, funny because the woman that plays Kelly Martin's mother is Valerie Harper, and... I was just the entire time wondering why, like, Rhonda Morgenstern was a Catholic now. <laughs> it was a little distracting for me. Look, <laughs> it was like, she converted? Like... Okay. Exactly. Yeah, look, Jews and Catholics. We're, we're, my, my mum converted. She was Catholic originally. My dad's Jewish. I could tell you there's a lot of overlap. Uh, it's mainly guilt. We're guilty <laughs> people both. <laughs> So I can believe a more concerned can become a hardcore Catholic. That That's fine with me. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we should go in order. We we can go in order. I, I really, the first five minutes, I wasn't quite sure what I was in for. Because it had the weirdest slasher vibe. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it was, I, well, look, I, maybe if you want to take the lead, you can. But I, I was just really enjoying watching Tori Spelling kind of seduce that old man out of his house so that he would drive her home <laughs> she was doing i'm a cute girl in distress you have to help me because yeah and her friend is being weird that's all she says weird you don't know what can we just that get that one more time get that real clean <laughs> my friend is being weird yeah my and then they cut to a weird. bush and f <laughs> yeah and then cut hard cut to bush and from somewhere behind that bush, someone's moving slightly. And you think, hmm, that is a weird friend. And I like the fact that the friend is in earshot while she's doing this, which really seems... You have this moment where you're like, I can get why this is going to go in a certain direction in a moment. Yeah. I, I was kind of hoping, because I, I... Well, I, I have one big note that I've underlined here, which was not good at murder. Not good. But... But otherwise, I really was kind of... It felt like she was trying to lure the old man to his death. Because she sound, she just sounded unbelievable, which I don't want that to be a reflection on Tori Spelling's acting. But if it was, I didn't believe that she wasn't going to kill the old man. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was part of her motivation. I think she just was like, how do I get home? Oh, I'll just try Maybe to charm this old man. that was her secret. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Like if he My doesn't take is, I'm home. going to kill this old man. Yeah. <laughs> my secret is I'm a cannibal, and when I get home, oh, but unfortunately I'm going to be murdered on the way to my home, which is the next after after a surprisingly long car ride, which I learned a lot about the old man, which I appreciated. 
Uh, what did you learn yeah, about the she, old man? Uh, look, I've, it's a good question. I've got the got a little weird on me part underlined here. She insta-bonds with him with placeholder dialogue. Oh, I did write something down. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to next year. Not like being a sophomore is so great, but, you know, friends and all. So that's a quote. Yep. Friends and all. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Teens don't know how to relate to adults. It's like, um, I guess I have friends. I should mention that. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like a weird brag. Also a very low-key brag. Yeah. It's not like, like oh, I'm friends works, with someone but... impressive. It's just like, I do no. have friends. Yeah. I just wanted you well, to know that. the concept of friends. Right. Yeah. It's more her acknowledging that she knows that she'll have friends or could have friends. And she knows that he knows that she could. And together, they'll both have friends one day. <laughs> oh, how we laughed about that idea of having friends. <laughs> you know, when you were alive. You're right. It's very, <laughs> it's very Emily Bronte that way. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, look, I, do we just, I mean, we're going to spoil the movie right now, as the movie does itself in the first five <laughs> minutes. She gets stabbed a bit. She does. Outside of her neighbor's house. Did you find that horrifying? Um, I mean, we already knew that was going to happen, and we don't really see it very much. We just see her, like, yelling at someone. You... And now, we knew over. it would happen, but if you were watching the movie called A Friend to Die For, you might just be confused. Oh, thinking that there's not going to actually be a death. It's going to just be yeah, like exactly. a friendship that's important. Yeah, I might be. Yeah, like a uh, really good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, friends and all. Buddy. Uh, yeah. I'd die for a buddy. That sounds nice. Like Saving Private Ryan. They're all dying buddies. <laughs> Alternate title of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> a friend to die for. <laughs> friend to die for. Uh, I'd, I'd look, I probably would have seen that movie earlier if it had been called A Friend to Die For. <laughs> Yeah, it's, Saving it's... Private Ryan just seemed like a downer, but Friend to Die For, that's lovely. That's You watch that after, like, uh, Trading Places and... Right. Yeah, Friend to Die For. It sounds nice and upbeat, and then, you know, Omaha Beach. <laughs> yeah, the murder is pretty bloodless. You, you see her yelling at someone, yeah. a shadowy figure about her size, and then she falls over, and then we yep. see the man who was dropping her off, like, move his car closer to see if he can intervene and then we cut back to tori spelling who instead of like staggering can we, can we just do, do you mind if we just take one tiny step back so one thing i did write down and i have circled it therefore i have to say it is the fact that doctors don't attempt to resuscitate her so when they cut to the hospital room there's a point at which her uh you know, they have that thing that is not actually medically accurate where her uh, heart rate stops. And then they just say, we've lost her. And they don't try to resuscitate her. They don't try to restart her heart. And then just kind of frown a bit. And I found that to be haunting. <laughs> <laughs> they could have saved her, maybe, but no one tried. They, they could have saved us an hour and a half of movie. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be uh, what is it, attempted murder of a cheerleader. Exactly. It would have been slight cutting of a cheerleader. <laughs> slight cutting. Slight cutting. I think that's Accidental still stabbing. stabbing of a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> you and the courts will say that, but I'll stick to my line. <laughs> yeah, the courts are pretty useless in this movie. But we... Uh, yeah, we're going to get there. 
Oh, I, I so look forward to it. So yes, please, I, I apologize for taking us back, but jump us forward in time. Oh, back in time, technically. Oh, yeah. So um, we see Tor- Tori Spelling, and instead of kind of staggering, she does this, like, pigeon-toed thing to get to the front door, which I thought was a strange choice. <laughs> and um, her neighbor comes out, see that she's, you know, bloody and Can dying. I just say, you've already picked up on something more that I didn't. I really didn't get at the time that that was the neighbor. I think I may have been writing notes, possibly writing down the last page about uh, trying to get that really good quote about uh, friends down. Oh. <laughs> I did not realize that wasn't her family. I, so I thought that yeah. that was her family who just did not seem particularly bothered about her stay. <laughs> yeah, her her family is across the street and they've gone out to like Little League or something. And they're uh, driving okay. back. And then there's all the I feel better about her home life now. Though I feel like I've just lost a lot of sympathy that made me forgive her for things that she did later on. I just thought, oh, her home life's bad. So that's, you know, that's why she's being mean. Oh. Yeah, no, her life seems to be okay. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, it it does end quite abruptly. But otherwise, pretty good. I mean, she does have friends and all. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, she burned twice as brightly. (laughs) And like a, a quarter as long, I guess. That's terrible. It is terrible. Look, it is... Should we acknowledge, just before we go on, that this is based on a real-life murder? I know. Something that'll I, make me feel worse? Yeah. yeah. I, when I picked this movie, did not recognize that this was based on a real murder. And then we started watching it, and I think at the top it tells you, like, this is based on true events, though we've changed the names and dramatized certain yeah. conversations. And I was like, ooh. Well, <laughs> this yeah. makes this less fun. Well, look... <laughs> What what if we just don't acknowledge the specific case because then we can just keep using the names and then it's just a silly movie rather than a silly movie based on a less silly crime. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> let's just have fun with it and just pretend like it's not based on something sad that happened. Right. <laughs> and that all my jokes have been perfectly okay up until now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So uh, what's our next scene? Do we jump straight we, to we go Terry back. Quinn rises? Yes, we go back 10 months oh. and it's towards the beginning of the school year, I think. And uh, Ed Sachs, played by Terry, uh, again, O'Gin? O'Quinn. 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 Uh, it's a beautiful name. <laughs> uh, he is talking about being the best and in order for our school to be the best, everyone has to try to excel at everything they do in the classroom on the football field in cheerleading in all things and um but mainly see, those three things yeah mainly those things <laughs> yeah <laughs> um we we see that there's like a popular group with tori spelling in the middle and we see what's Tor what's her character's name again do you remember uh, her character's name is Stacy Lockwood. Okay. Yes. So we have Stacy, and then we kind of like look around and we see uh, a goth girl, and she's not having it. And no. Then there's. I'm so glad that you re- that you have goth girl too, because that's exactly what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have Kelly Martin and her friend in a big floppy hat. So I wrote down Punky Brewster, <laughs> and 
or possibly alternately wreath from election. And then I also wrote down blossom, and I'm not sure which one was blossom. The one with the big floppy hat. hat. Yeah, I think it's the one with the big floppy hat. So it's Punky Brewster and Blossom. That's how I think I may have ended up referring to them throughout the rest. Oh. Of <laughs> yeah, I, I did lose track at a certain point. Yeah, I um, definitely tagged myself as a girl in big floppy hat. Like when there was going over. That's fair. Like the auditorium, I was like, yeah, that's who I'd be. <laughs> I don't want to well, draw so pretty, much I attention mean, to myself to be goth. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say a big hat does draw attention. Yeah, but it's like not too much attention. Like those kinds of hats were common enough where you'd be like, oh, she's wearing a hat. But you wouldn't be like, that's a crazy hat. Like if someone wore that hat now, you'd be like, oh, that's a throwback. But like at the time, it would have been like, eh. I feel like this is one of those Australia-America things because I can't. I mean, I believe you. And I want to believe you, both things are very important, but it does look like a, it's like a reverse veil. Like, I feel like it feels like you aren't, the world's not looking at you because you've got a big hat, but it's sort of like, that's all anyone could see is an enormous hat, especially in an assembly where I think people behind you are just going to be thinking, I can't believe she wore the big hat. Yeah, that's, that's quite possible. I mean, I don't remember very many people wearing hats in the 90s. I, I remember people on tv would but like not in real life yeah but in florida it's too hot to bother with fashion really so who can say uh in sydney australia it is also too hot to bother with fashion (laughs) and yet somehow we all still do a little bit it's mainly thongs oh which means something different in our country to your country oh are you talking about sandals (laughs) we're talking about sandals okay it's much less exciting (laughs) when i tell you the actual meaning (laughs) i was like oh goodness but does yeah, no, it's 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 always a little less less exciting. But you had that moment where you thought, "Hmm, Australia, interesting." <laughs> yeah, look, I I I don't know if I I was possibly more of the blossom, possibly a little bit of the goth girl, if I had to tag myself as someone. I don't think I would have been any of the men in this story because there's two I can think of. I got confused. There's like three instances with a tall guy and a letterman jacket with dark hair. So there's a, and I'm like, is that we'll definitely the same come to that dude, or is that I'm pretty sure it's not, or three different dudes? Because I'm pretty sure there's there's a dude who turns up later who turns in my best, like my favorite performance of the whole movie, <laughs> uh, and he and I I'm almost certain he doesn't turn up before he comes in. It's a powerhouse performance. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I even have that many notes besides my favorite character. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it is two different guys. They Unfortunately, the guys left, like, no impression on me. So I was like, are you a different guy? Are you the same guy? I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I, I guess it's just the interchangeable Letterman jacket people. Yeah. Once much. again, Letterman jackets, we have thongs. We do not have Letterman jackets. Yeah, I was wondering... What's high school like in Australia? Well, look, there's less cheerleader murder. <laughs> Not none. There's less cheerleaders? We we definitely picked up a bit of that with like the bigger sports, but not on the uh the high school front. I, don't, oh. I mean, unless things have really changed in the I don't know if I try to work out how long it's been since I was in school, I'll get depressed. Uh but unless things have massively changed since then, I'm going to say we don't really do cheerleaders. 
So it's like a cultural kind of anomaly that I was watching this and just thinking, oh, it's, it doesn't really seem worth it. <laughs> yeah, in this particular... The stabbing alone, yeah. Oh, yeah. But in this particular school, being a cheerleader is like... I don't even know how to describe it. It's so important. They later, when they announce who's on the cheerleading squad, they don't just put up a piece of paper like you would with other clubs. They have like another pep rally where they have to like announce who got the new spots and then they come on stage and they get flowers. It's a whole thing. Is this your experience of cheerleading in high school? I don't know if it's anybody's experience of cheerleading in high school, but <laughs> oh, I'm I, so happy to hear that. <laughs> I uh, I don't know it, how typical my experience was of high school because I went to a really small Christian school. So, um, the cheerleaders so you may not be the the average experience, right? I I will say like we we had a basketball team and they had a a cheerleading squad that would cheer at the games um and there was you know a, var- a varsity and a, a junior varsity group like they they got to wear way skimpier clothes than you were allowed to wear like on dress down days because we had a uniform and uh it was like uh, okay. a, a blind spot like they were pretty much allowed to, <laughs> to do whatever they wanted and uh a lot of the the cheers were like kind of weird. <laughs> like there was one where it was like, I don't remember exactly the whole thing, but the, it ended with swish it for me, baby. <laughs> oh. Yeah. There was a lot of like, yeah, yeah it's, it was kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's sort of like hypersexualization if you were, I don't know, unable to get an erection. It's kind of a, (laughs) it's a really gross Britney Spears vacation of life. Yeah, it did feel very kind of Britney Spears. And it was really strange because in this Christian school, like sex was demonized in like a really (laughs) significant way. And it was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then like you saw like the cheerleaders and you're like, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> well, that's an exception. God likes them to have their pop pops. <laughs> like, well, that's you know, and it's sometimes just they have a nice rhyme. <laughs> yeah, now, the cheerle- the cheerleading in the movie is not what I would necessarily think of as good. Well, we only see it is that once. Unfair. <laughs> yeah, and it just seems to be weirdly off the beat or something. It's kind of, I don't know. It it's got a really weird rhythm. And I just, I was sitting there thinking, well, yeah, no wonder she can't get it right. It's, it's off the beat. It's, this is like the jazz. <laughs> well, they're just like on it's another all that, like, level. It's like the pom-poms you can't hear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, but you know what? Cheerleading, it's an art I don't understand, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's funny because in the cheerleading tryouts, they have to do the cheers to make sure that they can do them on the rhythm and that, um, they clap on the rhythm and they do the step tap on the rhythm and they are supposed to like do little things with their arms and do it really sharply also on the rhythm. (laughs) But like, there's no, uh, there's no like somersaults or cartwheels or flips or lifting other people up 
or herkies or toe touches or anything. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit that there's at least one word in that sentence that you just used that I do not understand. Uh, herky. That's the one. <laughs> it's like a toe touch, but instead of both your feet going out, one foot gets tucked underneath you. Okay, I I can imagine it now. Okay. <laughs> I like that there's a term. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to herky. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> I most likely will hurt myself. <laughs> when I was in high school, I used to be able to do a toe touch, though not very well. Uh, I can no longer do that. <laughs> I can, but that's because my body's very silly and weird. <laughs> it's I it's it's my one useless skill. Is that on your like Tinder profile? Weird bodied? Uh if I had a Tinder profile, my uh, my better half would be very unhappy with me, but <laughs> it's certainly on my C V that my body is weird. <laughs> Special skills, weird body. <laughs> Special skills. <laughs> One day, if we get married, I'm sure it'll be in my vows. Thank you for loving my weird body. <laughs> That's kind now of I shall touch my toes and, I don't know, crab walk along. <laughs> uh, That's how love works, right? I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, look, I mean, not to get, not to throw us off track, but just the beginning part of the movie where they're being horrible to the goth girl. Yeah. Who obviously I identified with because I guess I'm in my inner self is a goth girl. <laughs> uh, the the verbal abuse they're throwing at her is really, really, really tame. Yeah. And just not well thought out. It's very and it just Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, well, everyone's laughing like that. Like it's very funny or very cutting. But I've got, I think, two of them here. I don't need a broom to get away from you, you bitch. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That's no, what the goth girl says. That. That's, that's, yeah. that's her response, which I thought was, that was surprisingly catty and I enjoyed it. <laughs> Whereas it was just a serious, yeah, I, you've got, uh, you've, you better run along. We don't feed strays here, which is Tori Spelling's little burn. It, it just, it came from nowhere. There was no mention of strays. There was no like veterinary practice discussion that led up to it that kind of gave it context. It just felt like a weird insult. Yeah. I mean, it was mean, but it wasn't clever oh it's mean i thought oh i thought the clever one was the by comparison the broom yeah she because you know she's all in black so she's like oh did you leave your broom at home oh she's obviously a witch Uh, i I think it's just lazy insults hurt me yeah (laughs) i think i just i want them to put a little more effort but everyone really finds tori spelling i really should just use i mean are we going to use the character's name or we're just going to go with real actress name which is probably more memorable and will bring to mind a face (laughs) <laughs> if the listener's mind. Yeah, no, that's fine. As opposed, yeah, because otherwise Stacey Lockwood does sound like a porn actress. <laughs> it sounds like Don Lockwood's daughter. Now, what's a Don Lockwood? Uh, I think that's the character's Why name from Singing in the Rain. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, I should know that. <laughs> well, you win ten movie points. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I think I also lose 10 movie points, so <laughs> we might never see each other again at the baseline of movie points. <laughs> I, so I, it's, I think it's around this time that you find out that Angela, who is one of the... Uh, she, I think I, I had her down as Reese Witherspoon from Election. Or possibly... Uh, uh, is that the... Punky Brewster. She's, she's our uh, kind of our protagonist throughout this whole thing. Oh, okay. Kelly Barton? Yeah. Okay. Kelly Barton. 
<laughs> Sorry, I had already really... forgotten her name. <laughs> okay, we'll go Kelly Barton. I'm happy with that. <laughs> but she is insane. I mean, we learned that almost definitively in the first couple of minutes when she says about all the things that she's going to do in a way that I can only describe as manic to her friend with the floppy hat Joe. who takes, yeah. Oh, wow. Well done. Uh, who takes it <laughs> the all only in name the way that, that I that... like glommed onto because I was like, yeah, I'd be that girl. <laughs> I think she, <laughs> I think she's the only one I didn't actually write down the name of, but yeah, I, I think she takes all of the information and she's just sort of like, yeah, of course you will. Or, you know, you don't have to though. She's a, she, she made me sad a little bit because it felt like she was just sort of along for the ride. The crazy, manic, eventually might stab a person ride. <laughs> yeah, Jill is like, yeah, you're totally going to be your book editor because you're like a really good writer, which I don't know. Mm. Are there like articles in the yearbook? I mean, usually it's just like, like, I mean, sometimes they'll have a couple of stories in there, but it's usually just photographs. Well, I mean, there definitely would be a story in their yearbook due to the stabbing that occurs later. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and in a in a perfect world, I mean, for all we know, she might have just done it. It could be like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in uh, Nightcrawler. She stabbed her so that she'd have a story to write about. <laughs> well, I've not seen that movie, so I guess I lose ten movies. Well, spoil- spoilers for Night- Nightcrawler. <laughs> he's not a good guy. <laughs> if you couldn't tell that by the fact that he's gaunt... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, not a nice man in Nightcrawler. <laughs> but yeah, so well, she's okay, like, that's good. oh, you'll do that. Put a spoiler warning up top, like... obviously. Sorry, what? Put a spoiler warning up top for Nightcrawler. That, that oh, makes yeah. good sense for talking about death of a chili. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jill is like, oh yeah, you'll make your book editor. And then her friend's like, I'm also going to be a lark. Because this is a high school with a sorority. Which I guess was a thing yeah. in the 80s. It's not a thing really? now, I don't think. <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't make it because I I know about the Whiffenpoofs. That's about the extent of my knowledge on these things. Yeah, which I that's think is the Harvard. Yeah. So yeah. like universities have Maybe, yeah. what's called Greek life, and there'll be sororities and fraternities, and you have to pay dues, and they only select certain people. And once again, something in Australia we have sadly missed out on. Oh, you are not missing out. <laughs> no, judging by every movie that we get here. I'm not missing out. Oh, man. And the number of, like, news stories and the number of, like, fraternities that get kicked off campus for, like, all sorts of horrible things. You were not If it helps, out. a lot of a lot of uh, university students here get kicked off campus because they're trying to imitate American uh, sorority and frat houses. So a lot of toga parties that go very wrong. Oh, dear. And then uh, some horrible racial stuff that also goes very wrong. Yeah. Probably started off wrong when you get down to it. <laughs> yeah, this particular sorority doesn't seem that bad. They no, pretend to really be socially minded, but they're not yeah. particularly. But that's why. Well, weird. also, so did you did you catch where the where the money they raise goes to? The rehab center. Yeah, I thought that was very weird. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, like I thought that's that's actually a really like that's a good cause, particularly in you know, was it ninety four? So, you know, it's it's know. kind of forward thinking. Yeah. But but what a weird thing for a high school slash sorority group to be raising money for. Yeah. And there's a lot of homeless people. <laughs> oh. I was thinking it was well, rehabilitating homeless folks. 
other I mean it could no be. I know no I meant as in like there's there's other charities it just seems so specific oh I see like there's this one rehab center that we're gonna put all our money towards it we're gonna get together and do I'm assuming it's the ni- early 90s and based on the other sorority movies I've seen I'm gonna say bikini car wash <laughs> and all the money goes to this one rehab center it just seems so like oh okay it's very targeted it's I mean it's good it's just surprising <laughs> yeah Especially, too, because, like, the friend kind of rolls her eyes at the organization. And it's like, even if they are silly girls not doing very much, there is money going to a rehab center. So that's yeah, pretty exactly. great. <laughs> at least it's doing something. Yeah. I-, I am surprised that Tori Spelling wanted to be in it. But otherwise, sure. Yeah. Well, it seems that, like the cheerleading, it's selective. Like, not everyone gets to be in it who wants to which is different for so, most you know charity organizations they'll let you volunteer in some yeah capacity. it's almost like most charity organizations need staff and volunteers but look the larks have it going on uh they kiss men without consent i mean they've, they've had a really <laughs> tough time of it. yeah they're anointed with uh, mayonnaise on the head oh god uh, I, th- that was that one moment where I thought, you know, I don't have, I have, uh, I, I like to think I have a decently high tolerance to being grossed out, but that was a real, it was just such a, it looked like real mayonnaise. I think that's what got to me. I, I mean, I think it probably was. <laughs> I don't see why uh, they would use anything else. I think just the idea of the smell that got to me on a very visceral level. <laughs> it's funny. Okay, so, but we'll, oh, you please don't. Oh, just, um, I remember my church, in order to induct, like, the people who were in middle school, who are now moving up to high school and were going to be going to high school events at this church, um, they would, like, come to your house and, like, quote-unquote snatch you, and then you had to, like, spend the rest of the day in your, like, pajamas, and you would do all different activities. Oh, my God. See, that's, that, to me, that's terrifying, but I don't have a frame of reference to put it in. So maybe kidnapping can be fun? <laughs> kidnapping can be fun. Yeah, it was funny yeah, exactly. because, <laughs> it was funny because, like, I don't know. I feel like in the 90s, things were kind of, like, betwixt and between about, like, kidnapping. Because, <laughs> like, constantly. It, it, it wasn't, like, it wasn't uncool, but it wasn't really cool yet. <laughs> Well, it was funny because, like, I remember having a teacher when I was really young, like, saying, oh, you have to apply yourself in PE because if anyone tries to kidnap you, you need to be able to run away. And I was like, that's a really disturbing thing to put out there. But he was, like, kind of in earnest. Like, no, you should know how to do this. Now, I was watching the John the John Mulaney special recently, oh, yeah. and I realized that I, I definitely had at least one teacher, possibly more, when I was young, telling me that I needed to know how to kick out one of the brake lights in a car uh-huh. if I was ever put in the boot. Yep. Oh, and boot, boot is trunk. Uh, <laughs> just one of those FYIs, it's along with thongs. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess kidnapping, it found its, its sweet spot later on. As being like <laughs> a terrifying know. thing to everyone. Yeah, because like, that was when I was really little. And then... Like, when I was 12, the event at, um, what do you call it, at church was called Snatch, or The Snatch. Oh, no. Oh, and, no. Uh, 
and then like they changed it like the year after I was snatched because um like a a couple of kids got like kidnapped that year like legitimately kidnapped and they're like oh it's not cute to call it that anymore no <laughs> there's it's been not. a couple of florida kids who've been kidnapped this yeah. year yeah <laughs> it seems like it's it is definitely much less fun once it happens yeah and one might even say with a little bit of foresight you could have probably got ahead of this issue <laughs> yeah seriously it was funny because my mom was like so i was told you know for you to like go to bed not knowing you were going to be snatched and blah 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 but like you're just going to get dressed and and be in the kitchen so you, when they snatch you have what what's known as a good mother basically <laughs> yeah my mom's like yeah, i'm not you... doing that to you no that's cruel why would anyone ever do that to anyone <laughs> i mean i would have freaked out if i woke up and like everyone from my church was there like yeah that I... would have not been okay no i that's the kind of thing where i mean PTSD is probably born out of less than that. <laughs> just waking up, you know, every single night, just sweating that your church-going friends are coming to grab you and take you away. It does sound I mean, like uh, a cult when you say it like that. It, look, just a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, alien abduction stories start from the fact that someone woke up while they were about to be kidnapped and the church-going friends were like, hey, you know what, I think we're good. We're just going to back off. It's gotten too weird. <laughs> and then that person just that person goes back to sleep and the next day thinks well obviously gray aliens it wouldn't be Probably. my friends coming into my room in the middle of the night <laughs> that's and too to weird <laughs> and and doing a really friendly kidnapping <laughs> <laughs> friendly kidnapping uh, okay so where are we in the story um uh look we're still at the beginning but i think yeah. we're, we're on to we we can probably, if we follow Angie's trail, so they do try to give you that moment where they're panning across the suspects in the very beginning, as though, like, it could be any of these peoples. It could be Punky Brewster, it could be Blossom, it could be Goth Girl, who they're definitely trying to make you think it's Goth Girl. And then you only follow Angela, otherwise known as Kelly Martin. That's <laughs> me physically turning a page. Uh, but, yeah, I think if we just follow Angela's story, or Kelly Martin we'll definitely get to the end in a timely fashion because she goes home from school that day after not going through a lot, but we, they, they start playing that incredibly dramatic music as she goes home. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, stuff's going to happen. Yeah. I just assumed that she was coming from like an abusive household or like something. I, and to be fair, she only has one conversation with her dad in the entire movie. And he met, I think it's his only lines in the movie. And he says to her, work gives you dignity. Yeah. And this is while he's he's cleaning his car, and I just wondered whether he was morbidly depressed. <laughs> he just, her home life is very sad. She doesn't feel super... She feels connected to her older sister, who's moved out but is around a lot, but she doesn't feel particularly yeah. connected to either one of her parents. It's... It's it's very uh, I like the older sister, but that's mainly because it's Chris, Krista Miller. Sure. I think. Yeah, no. <laughs> I forgot to look up her was, name, but I've I've seen her. Yeah, no, I know. Like Scrubs. She, exactly. Yes, yeah, Scrubs, uh, Drew Carey show, Cougar Town. She's she's done the rounds. It was weird seeing her younger, not that much younger, and she has one of my other favorite points in the movie coming up. But I'll wait until we get there. Uh, it involves the murder weapon, but I do oh, like yes. the fact that when she gets home, it's like the first time. That, anyone's seen angie in months it's like it, it, she's just been missing and she has to update them all on everything she's done they just have another oh, conversation yeah. i don't know i don't know how long it's been since she's seen her sister 
So maybe it has been a little while for her. It, but although, she goes, I, I can believe that about the sister. I think it's the mother too, though. Oh, well, she just says that she's got a new job. Because I guess that happened that day. But she has like this whole oh, yeah, plan right. for her life. Like that got yeah, inspired but, by that speech. <laughs> and to be fair, she's just talked about that job with her father who told her that work gave her dignity. So of course she's going to show off to everyone about her new dignity. Because <laughs> she was undignified before. Oh, just ridiculous. Who could even look at her with all that lack of dignity? <laughs> I, li- I like the fact that I think in one of the upcoming scenes where she's talking to the, um, the sister, she says that she wants to be a writer just like Danielle Steele. <laughs> and, and I don't want to knock Danielle Steele. She has found a niche and uh, I'm assuming writes, I have not read Danielle Steele. I'm assuming writes very well for that niche group, which turns out to be quite a large niche. But I, it is hard to think of the schoolgirl writer who desperately wants to write like Danielle Steele. But maybe that's me being elitist. I, I don't know. I feel like there's different kinds of writer girls. Like, there's some that are, like, take themselves really seriously and want, have literary aspirations. See, that's and what then, I thought she was like, though. And then when yeah. she said Danielle Steele, it was a genuine surprise. <laughs> I think she just wants to be able to, like live in a fancy house and be super successful and like the thing Daniel she's Steele. good at i mean i don't know how much money danielle Steele has but it's probably a fair chunk i always i always just assumed that she was like a factory of you know four thousand people who oh i mean she has to be out. it doesn't yeah. make any sense that it's all one person but i mean james no, patterson I... doesn't write his own stuff and he has a house on palm beach island Ooh, wow it's good to be James Patterson. Well, she should have said she wants to write like James Patterson. I'm pretty sure he was kicking around back then. Daniel yeah, well, Steele, he maybe knows... didn't have I mean... a house on Palm Beach. Uh, okay, <laughs> so you're saying that Daniel's... James Patterson stole Daniel Steele's gig. <laughs> yeah. Of being wow. the one writer who writes I'm... like 20 billion <laughs> books a year. <laughs> I like we're breaking the big news here. James Patterson doing what Daniel Steele did, but differently. <laughs> but differently. <laughs> Differently. That's I'm pretty sure that's the tagline of each of his books. <laughs> Including that most recent uh, Bill Clinton book, which boy am I not going to read that. My mom read it and she was like, It uh, wasn't very good. I was very disappointed. I'm sorry. Uh, I, it just it's one of those things where when you see it exists in the world, you just think, That's confusing. I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> I thought I like had misunderstood when I heard about it. I yeah. was like, that can't be right. <laughs> well, look, I mean, it does get down to the the meat of it in the title. The president is missing. We need to find him. And I thought, well, I I, I imagine by the end they're going to find the president. He's not really missing. It's all a scam. Oh, That's why my mom hated from it. within the house. Uh, okay, <laughs> I get it. Anyways. Uh, oh, that's right. Angela we were talking about a movie. Has right, has aspirations for her life and uh, is like, I'm gonna live on the side of a cliff or something and look out on yeah. the ocean and be totally fabulous. And which, by the way, that's such a cry for help statement, right there. <laughs> is it? I mean, I'm gonna I live like... on the edge of a cliff. Of a cliff. I think. I think she's definitely living on the edge of a cliff. This whole whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a giant metaphor. <laughs> It's beautiful, really. You know what? The writer, whose name I do have somewhere here, the writer Dan Bronson, made up name. Uh, amazing. Just top-notch work, front to back. <laughs> I love Could what he work does. work a little more on those burns. 
<laughs> yeah, look, he may not have spent the requisite amount of time with teenage girls, but on the plus side, <laughs> he didn't spend the requisite amount of time with teenage, with teenage girls. girls. So, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, he's doing the Lord's work, which is staying away from minors. <laughs> um, but uh, her sister's like, I don't know if you're going to make a ton of money from writing. And then her little sister gets mad and she's like what you're saying i'm not a good writer and she's like no i think you're a great writer i just don't know if you're gonna make any money at it and you should probably be more practical and then she's like i have big dreams and you don't believe in me and no one believes in me and then she goes off to her room and you think she's gonna like slam the door but the camera has to like have her framed in the doorway (laughs) so she doesn't she just (laughs) sits on her bed and she just stares out uh, this is definitely with that that rule of uh, if you know it's a cheaper movie if they don't, don't crash the car and you know that it's a cheaper movie if they can't afford to get a different camera angle. <laughs> they just didn't they didn't have the coverage that day, so you're just gonna stare at her lying on her bed through an open door that she can't close. Pretty much. It's a beautiful moment. Um, then we're back at school. I think she's working at the front desk. I've got, I mean, that her first church visit, I think, is in between oh, right. these two. Oh, possibly not. I'd go with the well, first yeah, church visit. The first church visit is kind of great, uh, where the priest is basically working for the tourism board, <laughs> and he's he describes the town as being as close to paradise as any of us will ever see on this earth, which is not selling it too hard one bit. <laughs> Like, I, I think I get it that they're trying to paint this place as perfection and yeah. therefore, you know, who could believe that there's this rot at the core of paradise? I just, I don't know if he's the best person to tell me about it. it that was might just funny. be me. Yeah, it was funny because, I mean, it's obviously trying to tell us, the audience, this place is super perfect. And... Yes, and also that the priest is a good guy. Yeah. But... Yeah. I'm not sure what he's trying to tell his congregation. Is he trying to tell them like, like what Appreciate exactly? What you got? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe sort of, be grateful yeah. or like There's... give to the poor because you yeah, have it easy. Or, and or that other rehab people center. That, that rehab center that definitely isn't just a place that they wash money for the mob or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I mean, not that I wanted to hear more of the sermon necessarily, but it was funny no, that he was, I was talking okay about how perfect it was. <laughs> And I was like, what's your point? <laughs> this was a real less is more moment. It was uh, the less he says. He, he's really involved in their lives quite heavily. He comes oh, yeah, to, he's uh, friends. Does he only come around to one dinner? Yeah, he comes to one dinner. Mm. So, yeah, I look, he's definitely, as priests in movies go, I thought, good on him. He's kind of progressive. This is nice. I probably could have done without the Paradise talk, but it's fine. He, he was likable enough and i kind of got the message that he was hitting me around the head with yeah this is a nice town this is a nice town a nice town in which uh she needs 75 dollars for a ski trip yeah which i guess they're not that far from the mountains (laughs) no it's so where are they exactly (laughs) i think northern california okay so that would i guess they go to colorado uh, maybe. I mean, it just does. I've seem never to be like been west trip. of the Mississippi, so I, I, I don't. Ah. Uh. But <laughs> I think. Uh, there might be. I think most of the 
mountains in Colorado would be like near the desert, though. I don't know. This is going to be one of those things where someone's going to say, hey, you two don't know much about geography. And then we're going to say, they're going to be like fine with you not knowing it. They're going to be like, yeah, the Australian (laughs) didn't know about American geography. But then there was an American on it. She also didn't know. This would be such a great moment if I could say, but actually, I am a geographer. I mean, map making is my thing. (laughs) Cartographer? Cartographer. That's much nicer. It, yeah, I mean, that's what no, it's the called. Actual word, no, it's the actual word is better than the word I made up. <laughs> <laughs> than the the uh, reverse verbiage version of this class <laughs> I took in school. But yeah, I guess I don't so, know. There's mountains somewhere. <laughs> there's mountains. Yeah, look, I mean, there's the, always there was be like people panning for gold in in California in mines in mountains. There's got to be mountains in California. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there's def- there definitely are mountains there. I just didn't. Oh look. I can't, I don't we can't know argue with the movie. The, mu- the movie is exactly, and the the movie has told us there's lots of snow, and you need seventy five dollars to get there. Don't know what that's paying for, and you get what is my favorite. Well, one of my favorite moments of the movie, which is the earning money montage. Oh yeah, we, that's fun with those great, sweet uh, sort of eighties synths going, and she so she's babysitting slash feeding a baby. She's uh-huh. washing one car. Yep. She's bathing a different child. Yep. Which I thought was a very interesting point because I guess she's doing two jobs uh and then scraping paint off a window pane yep and then i did the stupid thing which was i tried to pause to count out how much money she was actually counting out in front of you on the screen oh <laughs> and i'm i'm pretty sure they were one dollar bills and i'm pretty sure it added up to ten dollars but yeah. that was everything she needed <laughs> i assumed and- that was like for a single job that she had just done and she was like my final ten dollars i've done it <laughs> I've done it. This is my $75 that will make snow in California. <laughs> I mean, I think there's some snow in California. If you go up north far enough, maybe. I don't know. Look, I, I think we've both agreed. We hope there's snow we in California. And it, we, don't, we don't know things, and we're okay with not knowing things. We're happy to be educated, but educated in a polite, quiet voice. <laughs> right. That assumes a level of ignorance that maybe we're experiencing right now. <laughs> Yeah, if you uh, know about skiing in, in, on the West Coast, at NABM Podcast, let us know. <laughs> please, please forward those on to me. I look forward to hearing all about skiing right. on the West Coast of a country that is quite far away. <laughs> yeah, and if anyone's thinking that the uh, world is flat, time zones are a thing. So I'm thinking oh, it's God. round. <laughs> you know what? You might be onto something. <laughs> It's it's so round that it makes trying to link up to do a podcast almost impossible, but not quite. Yeah. What I like is that you're probably getting either slowly waking up as the day is kicking on, and I'm probably slowly heading towards a point of insanity as the day is coming to an end. Yep. Sydney versus Florida. It's we're doing something magical here. <laughs> so I speaking of going insane, I did I. I have made notes to myself here that make me think that I was starting to lose my mind when I was writing this. I wrote down an alternate title for the movie, which is I'm learning a lot about fiscal responsibility. <laughs> and I just, How about just I wrote work down gives I, you dignity. <laughs> well, oh, well, that's so much better. Because I mean, we can't we can't call it a friend to die for anymore because that's saving Private Ryan. So it has to be <laughs> work gives you dignity. <laughs> she does so much work. She does work at she the does, school, oh. and then she has to raise her own money. Uh, to go on this ski trip uh, with her friend with the glossy blonde hair and with Tori Spelling and the other girls. 
the glossy, glossy blonde hair doesn't really come back at all, does she? Uh, she does a little. It's funny, though, because when she actually goes on the ski trip, doesn't her friend... Or no, she doesn't. Never mind. I was about to say, no? I think Jill goes on the trip, too, but she doesn't. It's the glossy... No, it, the goth goth girl comes on the trip as well. Goth girl comes on the trip because her, her parents, parents make her come. Make her come. Yeah. yeah, I think they're afraid yeah, the, she's becoming antisocial and think this is going to be helpful. Yeah, <laughs> it is not. what an incredibly cruel thing to do to your daughter. <laughs> I guess it's a very effective way of saying to your daughter, "You weren't wanted." <laughs> I think it's just like, "Oh, you'll make friends with them again if you go on a ski trip with them." And she's like, "I don't want to be friends with them." And then they were like, "You'll just go. You'll see. You'll have fun when you get there." And the whole time she's like, "I hate it here. I don't want to be here." <laughs> yeah, because she's a human being who's experiencing quite severe abuse, like daily in and out. Just Tori Spelling is after her. Yeah. She brings along I'm... a diary to write in, which is a foolish oh, thing to no. do. But <laughs> she you... does it. It's <laughs> like she hasn't seen Grease or every other movie about teenagers. Yeah. If there's one thing we know she's about a, teenagers. She's such movies. a Sandra D. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> teenagers are mean. Diaries are very easily accessible. And uh, you shouldn't bring yours to a public place. Yeah. I think Don't do it. Only in a... Yeah, exactly. Be illiterate, kids. Reading is for losers. <laughs> It keeps you safe. But uh, Tori Spelling end up grabbing it, and when uh, Morgan, is that the goth girl's name? I don't know. Goth girl's uh, taking wait. a shower. I'm going to find out. Monica. Monica. So Monica's Monica. taking uh, a shower. Uh, Tori Spelling's like, it's story time. Once there was uh, the oh, weird girl right. <laughs> with dark it's, hair. It's not a good skin. story. <laughs> And she wrote this, and she's, like, writing about how she hates her parents for making her come, and she hates all these people, and this girl acts like she's so perfect that I bet she's a virgin or something. Oh, my God. I I, I actually didn't write any notes about this one section, because I think I was so cringing. I do, (laughs) like, for for all the faults of this, and, like, it's not a well-executed scene, but it did still make me have that sort of second-hand anxiety for this girl. That it's probably just the diary aspect of it. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's. Rough. I was yeah. I was yelling at um, Kelly Martin because I knew that Kelly Martin's supposed to be like you know the nice girl. I'm like say something, yeah. but she doesn't <laughs> say anything until like Tori Spelling gets halfway through the page, and then she's like, "All right, that's enough. Like you shouldn't be reading people's diaries." And then uh, Tori Spelling kind of um, turns on her, says something yeah, mean. Which, of course she does, like that. Yeah. <laughs> like that, of course she's just turning slightly to the left. Yeah. She's already attacking Goth Girl, now she's going after Blossom. It's just sad. <laughs> or is it Punky um, Brewster? No, she's Punky right. Brewster. I've got to keep so it right like... in my head, otherwise. <laughs> so she's like, oh, what, you're her guardian angel? And then Monica comes back out and grabs the book back and yells at her and it looks like she might try to hit her and kelly martin like grabs at her and she's like oh she didn't mean it she didn't mean it you know calm down she totally did yeah exactly i think this is another one of those moments where the movie's trying to cleverly fake you out that maybe the goth girl was the stabber <laughs> although i mean i don't know how you would believe totally that because about... you know nothing Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, once again, it could be it could be her writing a story about the stabbing for the uh, 
the, the yearbook. What's it called? The the yearbook. Yeah, that this is. That's the only reason you're. Fo- it could be like a Woodward and Bernstein, her getting to the bottom of the great case. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's a different movie, but it's also one I'd want to see. <laughs> um. So the next day, they're about to go skiing, and uh, Tori Spelling's like, "Oh, those are nice ski clothes. You get those from a thrift shop." And every time Ooh. Tori Spelling says something mean, she's like mugging hard. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I will say, she plays this kind of character pretty well. Yeah. Like, it's... I don't think she's what I would describe as a classically trained actress. <laughs> but she can play unlikable very effectively in a way that I was able not to like her. <laughs> she gave that to me, and I, I'm grateful. Yeah. This is another point where I felt like the writer didn't understand that, like, mean girls are always intentionally subtle, so that, like, if you say it in a different tone of voice, it's totally innocent. <laughs> Although, like, <laughs> she like she should have said something like, oh, I remember when those jackets were fashionable, or, oh, I think my mom uh, used to have a jacket like that, or something like that. Yeah. You have to be, like, subtle. You have to, like, turn the knife slightly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're putting in the knife while you're hugging the person. It's, exactly. It's the, yeah. <laughs> It makes it just so much more painful. <laughs> I think, look, there's a chance that uh, writer Dan Bronson was not in touch, once again, as we're grateful for, with the young girls. <laughs> um, but then I guess, does she not go skiing? Or does she just, like, catch she, up with them no, later? Think, we're not sure. I don't think she goes skiing. I think she stays, it, it seems to be that moment of, it's not really solidarity with Monica, because she's also been kind of rejected. But I think she stays in the cabin. Yeah. And then her glossy-haired friend goes off and skis. Yes. And doesn't like stand the, up for Like the traitor that she is. Such a Benedict <laughs> Arnold. Uh, although, I mean, you've gone on a ski trip to ski. It's kind of up to your friend whether she wants to, like, lick her wounds oh, or actually yeah. go out and ski. She, it's not really your fault. <laughs> for all we know, she had her own uh, money-making montage of her own. that She, she earned that $75. She's going to use it. I don't know. I have a feeling that her parents are rich and she didn't have to make money. But I have a feeling that everyone except for this one girl's parents are rich. Oh, this one girl (laughs) who like lives in the Faulkner sort of uh, Southern Gothic melodrama, just all of her own making, which is why the music always changes because they're going down south. (laughs) Um, I don't know. What happened uh, next? What happened next? I think what happened next. I think is just a series of her being let down a lot, like. Uh, so she doesn't get into the cheerleading uh, squad, or is it doesn't look like she's going to get into the cheerleading squad. Right, she does the tryouts, it Every- doesn't go well. Yeah, everything's going really well for Tori Spelling, everything's got- not going so well for Kelly Martin. Right. Uh, I have lots of little notes about pointless things that happened here. Uh, like, there's weird voiceover, when- so when the cheerleader tryouts end, all the girls file out with their mouths shut, but over the top of it, if you listen to it, they're playing generic voiceover that they just have it on a loop. Where you have one girl asking another girl, can I borrow shampoo? And then they just ask her once again, can I borrow shampoo? <laughs> it's it's actually great. Like, it's one of those things I just think is so weird that I quite like it. <laughs> it was one of those moments <laughs> I thought, yeah, this movie's not bad. <laughs> I won't watch it again, but I will watch it this one time. <laughs> uh, so I think it's just her getting increasingly depressed, basically. Yeah. And slightly Do we desperate. Have... Do we have the part where she uh, reads a uh, poem 
in front of the class yet. Oh no, I don't. I know. Uh, I think that does come. That that is around here because uh, okay. I I didn't write it down, but I remember it. <laughs> so she reads her poem to her English class, Tori Spelling, and one of the jocks is there, and uh, so is Monica, and um, she says something about like wishing she could get succor from someone because she's feeling adrift or whatever. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And <laughs> the. Oh. The high school boy uh, does this thing where he's like either gagging or something, and uh, that's right. He's 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 the uh, one of the two jocks that I was aware of in the movie. Right. Yeah, he <laughs> was sort of the, the Tory spelling arm candy. Yes. Yeah. And the teacher's like, "Oh, could you give a uh, poetry reading then?" So he he talks about like a beaver and a tree. Okay, now, I, I, did, I, did have, I did have something about this, which was, look, it's it's not a good poem, but if he had done that just off the cuff, he really should maybe consider like an improv 101 class, because that was not the worst. He he just off the cuff comes up with a dirty lyric, and I yeah. thought it was almost an achievement. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. it had actually followed a limerick like pattern, that would have been like crazy impressive. It's still impressive that he's able to do it's this. Still a- in the moment. He has a gift. <laughs> I mean, and also after hearing her very quite dour poem, I was, you know, it gave the levity that I needed. <laughs> but he gets sent to the principal's office and everyone's laughing. And then uh, Tori Spelling gets asked to read her poem. And she reads one about like how there's a witch in the town and yep. everyone hates this witch who's always wearing black. And it's very obvious she's talking about Monica. Yep. It's and not then subtle. She gets told off by the teacher. Yeah, and once again, I do think that's 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 the movie. I think if you weren't a particularly intelligent individual, you might believe what the movie's trying to tell you, which is that of course the person who you're focusing on as like the weird outsider is the one who's going to stab her eventually, which is why they didn't show the face of the stabber at the beginning of the movie. I think it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's yet another in a line of fake-outs that probably aren't super necessary to the movie. <laughs> no. But uh, Monica does say, I'll kill you, or I wish you were dead, or something like that. Yeah, which, you know, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I think she, sh- she should also have a very long conversation with her parents. <laughs> yeah. It's not, Look, it doesn't seem like a great school. And Terry O'Quinn only seems to exist for assemblies. And then briefly making kind of slightly put downy statements to them in the corridors. And uh, sexually objectifying Tori Spelling. <laughs> oh, good. That good wasn't just that. in my head. No. Yeah, no, okay, that's good. Yep. <laughs> he uh, is obviously in the front office at different points, and that's where um, Kelly Martin and Tori Spelling were together. And Kelly Martin's so excited to be working alongside Tori Spelling because Tori Spelling's character is so you know special and yeah popular and perfect whatever. and wonderful and beautiful and uh-huh yeah and uh <laughs> terry <laughs> uh his his character is like oh are you gonna be a cheerleader we need people like you to like uh represent us and then kelly's like oh me too and he's like um yeah that's nice and then another point, yeah <laughs> at another point he's like I don't know. 
hey, gorgeous, how's it going today, or something. I don't oh, know. I didn't it's even weird. remember that one. I can believe it, but oh. I, I do like the fact that they're trying to make, it's it's yet another, like, oh, doesn't it suck for, for uh, Kelly that, oh, she's not even good enough to be objectified by the principal. <laughs> Only the really attractive and perfect girls are really creepily perved on by Terry O'Quinn, master <laughs> bald man. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's just weird. <laughs> it is weird. So I'm not look, sure how the, the audience is meant to feel about that. <laughs> I think at the time the audience was just supposed to like it, it. We we maybe people just didn't read these things on multiple levels. So maybe just look, thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice if he said something sexually positive about her right now? <laughs> but guess. whereas now we hear that and think. I really wish that principal wasn't talking about his students as a sexual being. Right. That's really inappropriate. I'd be, I'd be more comfortable if that large bald man would just maybe take a step back now. <laughs> so I think the, uh, the long sort of, long short of her various failures here, and she definitely just starts getting a little more manic as this goes on, yeah. is she ends up in the car with her sister. Yeah. In my one of my other favourite scenes, but besides the Darren scene, which is coming up, but uh, where she eats a whole cucumber. So the sister takes out a knife. It's a paring knife, I believe. And then slowly cuts the skin off a cucumber as though it's an apple and then eats it as though that's a thing that a normal person does in the world. And I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. There's not a mention. No one says anything about it. Well, like, earlier, she's making a bunch of vegetables as sides for dinner. And oh, I didn't even notice that. And her sister that. is like, ugh, why are you making so many vegetables? And then she's like, you should eat vegetables. They're good for you. I eat nothing but vegetables. <laughs> and it's like, not oh even vegetarians eat, like, that, nothing I don't but, think. Yeah. No, they get very sick. You need you need some kind of protein in your diet, yeah. too. Like beans or what have you soy or yeah exactly go go wild vegetarians <laughs> and go wild cucumber eater it's just the the this the image of her curling the skin of the cucumber to to eat it like i i do eat cucumbers of their own they're great i don't put that much effort into them and i certainly don't carry around a paring knife with me so that i can gently peel them for my pleasure <laughs> she seems quite happy with it though Oh, she seems thrilled. I, I'm happy for her. I just have nothing but further questions as to why neither of them acknowledge the cucumber shaving. <laughs> I mean, her sister does, like, like Carrie, um, Kelly Martin's character kind of looks at her like, oh, boy, are you weird? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but to be fair, after what we've seen from Kelly Martin, it's the cucumber thing maybe does look less weird. And we also <laughs> know they have a depressive dad. Kelly Martin is going through what seems to be quite a bad period and their mother i don't know she's somewhat present maybe i mean she prays a lot yeah that's she has that time of her for her prayer because <laughs> there's nothing more relaxing than having like an egg timer like ticking <laughs> well, you, down you your to be... time to pray now this this is uh, not not my area of expertise but are you meant to be relaxed when you pray or are you meant to be like super earnest which one does god appreciate more I mean, it depends on what you're talking to God about, I guess. <laughs> That's true, yeah. If it's a well, daily you know, devotional, yeah. though, like, it is kind of a meditative practice. Oh, that's nice. Okay. But you're saying that this may not be that. I, well, maybe, I have no you know idea. What? 
maybe she's praying to her, to the Lord our God to uh, remove her husband's crippling depression and yeah, to make him stop talking honest. about work as though that's all there is. <laughs> a very worthy. Prayer. I'd probably. Yeah, if I was stuck in that marriage, I probably would be praying a lot too. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, to be fair. <laughs> okay, so I think we're coming upon the murder. We're not too yeah. far off. Yeah. Which Should is we just jump an into achievement? it? Oh, look, uh, after you. Please jump ahead. <laughs> so, Kelly Martin and Tori Spelling are both in the Larks. They've done their initiation thing where they're kissing random people and have mayonnaise on their heads. And uh, um, still, she... still gets me. <laughs> Kelly Martin and her friend Jill um, were talking, and her friend's like, "You need to go out to a party. I'm going to a party. I can bring one person, and I'm bringing you, and it'll be fun." And then she's like, "Oh, that is a way for me to become popular. I'll take yeah. uh, Tori Spelling's character, and we'll all be there." And uh, then people will be like, "Oh, she's friend with Tori Spelling, so she's really cool." And things are going to turn around for me and I won't be the loser who like didn't get in the cheerleading squad. I'll be like the cool girl who's like friends with people. So she calls. Because nothing's cool- cooler than bringing someone who wasn't invited on an invite that you got just for you from a friend and you weren't actually technically invited yourself. Nothing yeah. cooler than that. <laughs> so she calls uh, Tori Spelling's house and uh she's not there and so she's talking to mom and she's like hey i'm one of the larks we're having a dinner um have your daughter be ready i'll pick her up at this time and don't tell her about um it it's a bit of a surprise but so once again i think we're seeing the folly of the kid the uh, random friendly kidnapping is that it sets up precedents for actual kidnapping and murder (laughs) yeah Kidnapping often leads to murder. That's one thing I've learned yeah. from like Lifetime movies is like you start now, off what, kidnapping again, you're and then you're about, like, I don't you're know just... what to do with this kid. I guess I'll just kill them. That's what yeah, I think. God, I love Lifetime movies. But I will say you are talking about kidnappings and not friendly kidnappings, which is, you know, <laughs> the nice type. Right. With Where like, people end with up like with the comfy duct tape. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess it's a surprise, but it's like not a surprise because Tori Spelling no, comes out. And uh, she's all ready to go. Because she's got she's one like, of those good mothers. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's like, oh, it's you. And uh, Kelly Martin's like, yeah, um, but actually I'm going to take you to this party. There isn't a Lark event. And then Tori Spelling's like, Ugh, I don't want to go then. And uh, Kelly Martin's like, just get in the car. So Tori Spelling does. And then they start talking about it. And uh, Tori Spelling's like, I'm not invited to this party. I don't want to go to a party I'm not invited to. That sounds really awkward. Sounds very reasonable, Tori Spelling. Yeah. Like, she may be mean, but she's not wrong about that. No, she has basic social etiquette. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, our lead does not. Which, no. uh, look, I'm not... I'm, and once again, I'm going to say, Tori Spelling made it very possible for me to dislike her. But she's right. She's 100% yeah. right. I couldn't do it. I don't think I should do it. She shouldn't do it. Take so, her Yeah. So she's like, okay, turn off here, and then I'm going to smoke a joint in front of you for no apparent reason. Yeah, that's very <laughs> weird. I'm assuming that's to make her look even worse. Like, oh, well, you know, she's she's into the doobie drugs, so obviously <laughs> she must die now. It's the only option. 
it's like oh she's such a bad girl and kelly is <laughs> such a good girl and it's like i guess <laughs> yeah I, it's a real i mean she is kidnapping and murdering a person so <laughs> I, I mean yeah. Tori Spelling did get into the car of her own accord it's not it's she not did she that's true well i mean of her mother's accord yeah and to, she's and under, I mean, kidnapping under false world. pretenses exactly under false pretenses <laughs> still is kidnapping so um kelly martin's like really getting manic now and she's like yeah no we have to go to this party like it'll be fun like i promise and i don't know why you're being so mean to me and all i've ever wanted to do is be your friend and then yeah Tori i got such like, poison are you so pathetic? have you watched <laughs> have you watched poison ivy for any of these uh yet no or any of the sequels that I'm, I'm sure there must be like 14 sequels that went on television it was i i got to this point and i thought i wondered whether this was like the rejected script from a poison ivy sequel because she's just so intent and obsessed and kind of wants to become her. Yeah. It was a bit single white female going on. Yes, which is uh, otherwise known as the better, slightly better uh, Poison Ivy. <laughs> this is all it's, about alternate titles, isn't it? It really is. We're going to play the alternate <laughs> titles game, which is what we've been doing for the last hour or so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> So yeah, she she's going through this like kind of she she doesn't play it too badly. She's comes across really manic. And I guess that's what Tori Spelling describes as her friend acting weird. Right. So And then now Tori Spelling leaves the car, goes to talk to those neighbors and we're back at the beginning of the story again. Well, I mean, we get we get the story from a much better vantage point, which is the car chase. Mhm. Which is very low speed and not a lot happens but you kind of just see her making crazy face the whole way <laughs> yeah she's like kind of frowning and yeah. peering out into the darkness and i think you're getting that the voiceovers of like what she thinks that all the kids at school are going to be told and how I, crazy she is and... yeah i actually really liked that because yeah it's not bad i think it's true yeah i typically you would get her replaying the conversation we already heard which is really boring yeah. for the audience but is something that happens a lot in movies and instead we get what she thinks is going to happen in the future what tori spelling is going to be saying about her when she gets back to school with her friends and that so you're saying the extra was... sort of sixteen thousand they spent on the voiceover for tori spelling was money well spent i think so <laughs> yeah no i totally agree i i think it actually it it, it does kind of to you know not to take a serious uh, note here, but I think it actually gets to the heart of what it would be like in that scenario, how trapped she would feel. And I didn't expect to have a moment where I would feel bad for her because I, I was finding, I, I wrote down earlier in my notes that I really wish that they made her more likable. So it's not that I'm completely devoid of empathy. It's just that she was so manic and kind of mean to that one floppy hatted friend that I was finding it hard to identify with her. But then, yeah, in this moment, I was like, well, yeah, I, I can totally understand that. Not the murder part, that does seem a little far. And also find a different weapon. But <laughs> uh, I can understand feeling completely trapped by the situation that she has created. Yeah. But also don't murder. Just seems yeah. like a good message to put out there. Um, so she's, like, following her 
and uh, feeling trapped, but she's not like necessarily making plans to hurt her. But I don't know. I guess she wants to maybe confront her. Um, and then she gets. Uh, yeah, in it doesn't of... seem like she has a plan. I think it's just one of those things of, well, obviously, when I get there, I'll know how to fix everything. Yeah. The same logic I make with pretty much every meal I make. Uh, <laughs> most life decisions, really. <laughs> you maybe should reevaluate that. <laughs> Oh, no, no, that's not going to happen. I mean, just on a practical and realistic level, it's not going to happen, but <laughs> I like the thinking that you're coming with. <laughs> um, but then she parks the car, and as she's leaving the car, she takes the knife with her. And you're like, no, don't take yeah. a knife with you. It's never good to take a knife with you. Nothing good can happen now. <laughs> Oh dear! I, what I what I like here is that this is when my notes start to thin out significantly because uh, after the murder things get weird. <laughs> but I look, it's it's not a particularly bloody murder. It maybe could have been a little more. I don't know. Affecting. I felt bad for her. It definitely was someone falling on a knife. Yeah. And yeah, she probably shouldn't have brought the knife. Yeah. A lot of there would have been a lot of time saved if she just did bring the life with her. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I mean, this may be a grim sense of humor, but she like comes up there and she's like, "I would have driven you home," and then starts stabbing her. Now, do you think she? That's it. Like, well, I would have given you a car service and then murdered you, or <laughs> if because you rejected my car service, I must murder you. <laughs> I must I maintain my like... five-star Uber rating. Right. It was like, you're being unreasonable. You didn't want to go to the party. You were being really mean when I didn't want to smoke marijuana while I was driving. And then you didn't even want uh... me to take you home. Like, you're being unreasonable. And now I'm going to stab <laughs> you. Because that's reasonable. <laughs> she was, look, Tori Spelling was unreasonable at several points, but reasonable about one. And... Now uh, Kelly is being, you know, kind of unreasonable about one thing, which is the knife. But uh, she was reasonable about not using the pot and driving. So that's good. Yeah. In a way, we've all learned something today. <laughs> yeah. Don't Except one of them can, and yeah, one of them and does die. Don't walk around and, with a knife. Yeah, absolutely. Especially and don't when you're fall mad. into that knife. <laughs> yeah. That, that's so true. That's, they say, uh, don't, don't uh, go to bed angry, but also don't stab angry. <laughs> don't walk around with a knife angry. Exactly. Stab precisely and with thought. <laughs> um, so then her friend calls her and is like, oh my goodness, have you heard? Tori Spelling's yeah. character got stabbed to death. Isn't that <laughs> <Tori> awful? <laughs> Stacy Lockwood got stabbed to death. Yes. I, I Look, what I like is there was a point in what comes next at which I just thought, Oh, we're just going to follow her for the rest of her days. Like, it, it, so it starts off being a little bit about the murder. Where it feels like, oh, okay, well, she's, is she going to get away with it? Which she sort of does for a bit. And then the movie starts just following her day-to-day -day life for longer than I thought it was going to. And I started to get really into... I, I wrote down, if this movie just followed uh, her for the rest of her life... As she tries to atone, I would love this movie. Because <laughs> it, it is a really... It's totally strange, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, she starts being a candy striper. Um, yeah. She starts, like, counseling she's a, drug addicts. She's essentially a nun. 
I mean, she she becomes a perfect person, and it's it's really interesting to watch. And also, just it it does really divorce itself from the initial concept of the murder. Like, it doesn't throw back to that quite as much as you would think for a movie that's called Death of a Cheerleader. Yeah, you'd think that. Do, do they ever do that thing where like she wakes up from like a dream or? I don't like, think relives so. it or anything. She seems. It doesn't seem that. She way. seems. No, the guilt doesn't seem to really eat away at her. Like, I think it's supposed and, to be, but they don't really show that. No, I, I guess it's coming through in that she's doing nice things, but, you know, if that's all it takes to make more nice people, then maybe we need more murders. I don't know. <laughs> no, I do know. That's the, No, that's a, that's a 10.30 at night uh, thought and uh, should not be put out there in general <laughs> for general consumption. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, definitely wrong <laughs> to kill people. It's definitely wrong. Don't kill people. Don't Also, don't stab politely. Don't stab. But, <laughs> yeah, look, I... It, it, she doesn't necessarily seem racked with guilt, she just seems to do nice things, which I'm assuming is supposed to be the external representation. But, eh, look, I, it, it's, it is weird. So she sort of gets away with this murder initially. Right, because she is interviewed by the police. and Who seem she... to be not very good at their jobs. <laughs> and uh, they, they also subject her to a um, lie detector test and she passes it. So they're like, oh, I guess she's fine. And it's funny because the murderer was seen from a distance at night, but they know it's someone who's like a girl of her approximate size with like medium length brown hair who is in a green pinto. And it's like, how yeah, many they, people in they town have all of the basic information. That description. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but she has that rock. Uh, rock steady alibi there so how could they possibly break that i mean it must be there must be like a drifter with that exact length of hair and that exact model of car yeah the 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 fact that they didn't go to that house and be like hey do do you know this girl does she babysit for you did she babysit for you that night is crazy like why wouldn't you run that information I'm sure they, I'm sure the police have a very good reason for what they do, but I will say they don't look great. They really don't. And they, and they don't spend much time interviewing her. And it just also there is a what the, so the lie detector test she passes. Yeah. Which I'm guessing that must be from the the real case, because that's such a weird flippant detail to throw in there that she passed the lie detector test. Yeah, because it's not like she she tried to learn how to you know crack it. She didn't sort of put a, a thumbtack in her in her shoes so that she could try and fool the lie detector. Yeah, I don't think she became a spy just to learn how to do that. But you know what? If anyone could, it's this go-getting young woman. She has so many <laughs> extracurriculars. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. She'll just she'll uh, apply to the CIA and they'll say, well, <laughs> you were a candy striper. Oh, you were a meadow lark. Well, yes. I mean, that's well, you, you know how to kidnap. That's good. <laughs> Rendition will come easily to you. <laughs> um, but eventually the FBI gets involved with the case and they get a profiler and the profiler writes up this thing and the FBI agent like <laughs> reads it off to her. And uh, it was pretty harsh. <laughs> it, was it, like, it was pretty harsh. Yeah. It was a little mean. And I wondered if it was, like, from an actual profiler, or if he was just, like, writing a description of her and seeing if he could get a rise out of her. I, I had to assume that, because <laughs> it just seemed... Very also, pointed. it seemed weird that they got a profiler in. Like, it's a, it's one murder. I would have thought that would be hard to build a profile out of. Uh, I don't know. 
I mean, <laughs> I don't know about like actual criminal justice very much. Um, but so geography and criminal justice, we're we're both in the same same wavelength here. That's good. <laughs> but like on TV, it seems that you know forensics you will can tell look them, for yeah. like particles, but they'll also look at like okay, the person who did the stabbing, they stabbed this many times, this amount yeah. of force, and that indicates a closeness with the person or anger at the person. Yeah, I feel like every, jealousy everything you said just then, all of that, I feel like could possibly be done by the detective and you don't necessarily have to bring in the FBI profiler. I mean, I don't know. It depends who works at your homicide group. If, if you have a profiler, <laughs> great. If yeah, you no, don't, you might need true. to call the big guns. We may have discovered that they have a weak police force and uh, maybe need to call in the big guns, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> um so look so, somewhere the bef- before the like... before the profile just can we just quickly touch on darren darren sure so that... darren that's her brief love interest who <laughs> i will describe as maybe the worst performance in the whole movie in a way that's so endearing because he's still meant to be a jock but he talks as though he's just learned english from a book um, and it's definitely his first language. There's no question there. So look, my notes about Darren here are, I'm worried the school is failing Darren. And then Darren is my favorite character. So he, she, she is working in the office and Darren comes up and Darren is late for class. And she, uh, Darren says to her, I guess I'm about a half hour late. And he doesn't have an excuse. And they start flirting in a way that humans don't. And then it ends up with him asking her out. And then they have a cute goodbye. And that's the last you ever see of Darren. But also the first you ever see of Darren. And I missed him when he was gone. And I was sad that the movie never ever came back to him. It was yeah. the big date. Yeah. And we never even saw them go on the date. At one point we nope. see her parents talk to each other. And they're like, she seems real sad. I don't know what's going on with her. And her dad's like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that boy will perk her up. And then that Darren, well, yeah. Darren, God, I mean, even the name sends a thrill through the body. It's. Just... <laughs> I thought that scene was kind of funny where they're talking because she's sitting in the back seat of the car that's like right next to them, <laughs> and it's like, oh, did you not notice she's right there? <laughs> I think that's almost every part of this movie is everyone talking within hearing uh, within the earshot of everyone else. Yeah, pretty much. That might just be lifetime movies, actually. Yeah. It makes drama a lot easier to create. Yeah. Can we go back to the profiling? Oh, please. No, I, I just had to include Darren. I just didn't oh, of course. He's get to the, the end best. of this whole thing. And he might look, obviously, the most important character. <laughs> Without him, the profile wouldn't be complete. <laughs> uh, so the profile is, we think this was like someone in the close friend group of the victim. Uh, but she doesn't feel like she's completely included. So she's kind of on the edge of it. And she has like a need to be accepted and she doesn't feel accepted. And uh, I don't know. Was there more to it than that? It's No, that's a, uh, it's basically just. And also she doesn't look very nice. And sometimes oh, yeah. she doesn't smell good. It's just. <laughs> they, they do say she's probably not as pretty as the victim. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was a, that's the point where I was like, no, this is not a professional profile. That this is like doesn't sound piece. right. <laughs> no. Also, I don't like her hair. <laughs> yeah, based on the description with the medium length hair that's brown, gross. 
<laughs> and I do like really the, the point. It, I liked her response to it, uh, which was just, well, that sounds a lot like me. And yeah. she's, I mean, she's gotten away with it to this point. So you just think, oh, well, if you just kept denying, they don't seem to have much more on you. Yeah, I mean, everything they have is circumstantial. They need her to confess. Oh, yeah. And uh, she has confessed to the priest earlier in the movie, I think. Yeah, and he doesn't they do don't anything about it. But... confession. No, she, she, that's another ad break moment. So she goes and sits down, <laughs> forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, and then cut to ads. Or whatever like, it would be at the time. Did she actually confess to the murder? Because legally he's supposed to report that. <laughs> so, I, okay, so this one, I thought that the seal of confession probably wouldn't apply to it. But is it... If is it only for if you're planning a crime or plan to to commit a crime or does it also is it also for like retroactively like oh I committed a crime well I can't keep that to myself I'll go to the police and tell everyone. I think it's for any violent crime that you're about okay. to or have committed that you confess. I think they're supposed to report. Yeah, we don't have any kind of seal of confession in uh, Judaism. Everyone tells everyone everything. <laughs> This this would have uh, this would have been over a lot sooner. <laughs> I was just I was shocked that he didn't tell anyone. I was like, I'm pretty sure legally you're supposed to. <laughs> and if not only Look, that, like morally speaking, you probably should. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have one other detail from the, the uh, it's not from the profile, but it's when the uh, I think it's there's a police announcement on the television about who they think might have committed the crime, and they say that it might be an anti-establishment sort. Oh, yeah. And I just thought that, that, I mean, once again, I think that's pointing towards the moniker, the uh, yeah. goth girl type. Mm -hmm. But it's also so sort of just post-Reagan uh, America. Like, it was a real, oh, yeah, no, the anti-establishment, you got to watch out for them. They might st stab your cheerleader at any given moment. <laughs> they might, you know, be a part of Dungeons and Dragons and Satanism. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, haven't you heard? Those are all the same basic thing. Yeah, pretty much. And they're probably it's... into some really weird, <laughs> freaky stuff and drugs. Yeah, but I mean, mainly by Dungeons and Dragons, because that stuff is dangerous. Very. They're broadswords. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was so... interesting when earlier, when she was getting questioned, she doesn't say, oh, I think it might be Morgan. But she does say, um, or Monica or whatever her name is. <laughs> Monica, yeah. Monica, yeah. There is a Morgan, yeah. Is there? Oh, I think some. Yeah, there definitely was a Morgan. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to find it. That's but fine. yes. Uh, but yeah. She so she sort say... of points them in their general direction. Yeah, she's just like yeah. sometimes um, the girl could be kind of mean, but she was she was funny and she would make jokes at other people's expense. So like I don't yeah. know. Dot dot dot. So maybe it was her fault. Maybe she had a coming. I don't know. I'm not going to say anything. But maybe. Also, not a point we have to harp on, but uh, definitely should have had some kind of parent there with this minor being interviewed by the police. Yes. So the profile's been read. She's been roundly taken down by the cruel wit of the, the profiler. And now we go to the extended court case. Well, before that... She uh, wants to confess, so she ends up writing a note and giving it to her mom, and her mom, like, clears up the kitchen and 
prays and then finally reads the note. And I'm like, if my daughter was like super depressed and acting weird and was like, I need to talk to you about something and then like was afraid about it and then like gave me a note, I would read that first thing. I'd be like really nervous. (laughs) Now, but you are saying that as someone who doesn't use a God timer. And if if your God timer tells you you're not done with prayer, then you just keep praying. But, I mean, she could have started praying after she read the letter. <laughs> Look, to be fair, in this family, she could have done a lot of things. But uh, she, you have to keep in mind that marriage is falling apart. God's only keeping it together by, you know, just sort of just keeping it together for them. I don't blame her. It's hard to blame her. <laughs> I, I thought, think the sister uh, maybe could have asked. Yeah. I thought that uh, Valerie Hart did a good job, though. Oh, yeah. No, look, I, I the, the acting in this is very TV movie, but it's not terrible. I can see why it was the most watched TV movie of 1994. Yeah. I mean, I think Tori Spelling was doing something much broader than anyone else was doing in the movie. Yes. But... (laughs) There's no question. (laughs) I think that might just be Tori Spelling. That's true. Tori Spelling has one flavor, and that is it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so she tries to tell the mother she kind of does a goodbye yeah. like a she's just very morose for a while and then she goes turns and turns herself in she does and then we cut to a very weird so i'm assuming a lot of this throws back to the actual case because trying when they decide to try her for first degree even though the, the yeah. punishment would be the same as second degree yeah and the the DA is very adamant about it, and, you know, he's trying to make a point. He's not super clear on what that point is. Yeah, I think it might just be he wants a feather in his cap. Like, he wants to win a case and, and to make it all public. Just come out and... as, like, yeah, and he wants to be, like, staunchly anti-stabbing. <laughs> yeah, I guess to be, like, I I don't know. Because really, it's a, it's weird. her name would it have been released to the press in as big a story if it hadn't gone to trial? Like maybe he wanted to also publicly shame her. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the kind of thing where maybe he also would get his name in the papers. So yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that's definitely the main thing. Is like, oh, look at this big court trial. I was a part of it, and I managed to win it. And look at me. <laughs> Although look, everyone look makes at me, it seem. I... Yeah, I picked on a 16-year-old girl. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, everyone makes it seem like he's trying to, like, pillory her. Yeah. It's... He he doesn't come off great in this. No. And I, if I remember correctly, he gets told off by the judge. He does. Which and is interesting so. because... Presumably, the judge could have refused to hear the case to begin with. He and didn't have to have. hear the case. Yeah. He could have so been really, like, it's kind of on the judge, too. <laughs> yeah. He could have been like, well, it's the same sentence either way. Uh, we already have a confession for the second. It would be a waste of money and everyone's time to go through the case. Let's not. Yeah. But he doesn't. He hears the case. And then he chastises the DA for wasting everyone's time. It's very strange. So just to be clear, she it, either way, if it's first degree or second degree, she's going to get the same sentence because she's a minor. Right. Which I think is, uh, she's remanded until 25, was it? Yeah. 
So basically, she will probably still have a life on the other side of it. Maybe not yeah. great, but yeah. So she... They go through the full trial where basically they put the town on trial. Yeah. And, and we also... I think that's the whole point. Yeah. We get the <laughs> trial where um, she was told she had to be perfect <clears throat> and she had to be pretty. And she's not pretty. <laughs> Which that was kind of funny. <laughs> There's a lot. There is a lot of body shaming going on in this movie. There is. Kelly Martin is not pretty, and it's funny because oh. like in movies, the people who aren't pretty are like really cute and adorable looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're ex- they're acceptably ugly, which is right. still pretty. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the oh, it's just they have like slightly less sheen to their face. Like they're not glowing in quite the same way that I guess a Tory spelling is. Yeah. It's very silly. It's a it's a weird comparison to have, but yeah, I feel like Torian's spelling could have played this part if she, maybe she was a slightly different actress than if they mousified her hair like thirty. Oh sure. Yeah. Maybe a more interesting movie. I don't know. <laughs> um. But yeah, we hear the tape of uh, the confession, and she's yep. like, "Yeah, I don't know why I did it." Um. And I wish I could go back and undo it. And we see uh, her mom breaking down. And then the friends of the victim are there and they're mad that the friends of uh, the main character are there. And (laughs) I liked that one line of like, it's not a party. There's not an invite list. They have every right to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I actually didn't mind that. That's a a real uh, Dan Bronson original. (laughs) And um, they they prove that it's in the second, uh, not premeditated. And uh, she's supposed to stay until she's 25. And we find out in the pro- post-credits uh, that uh, she stayed until she was like 23 or something. Which was, yeah. It, it, I So it's, it's a weird thing that I have with these things when they change all of the names. It's all based on a real story. But it's weird that the fictional character that's based on also had the exact same outcome of her life. Yeah. It feels like it almost like ties it too much to the original case. Yeah. It's uh... It's a weird detail. <laughs> it's like having your cake and eating it too. And it makes you wonder why they changed it at all. Did they not get the rights to something? I'm assuming wife? they probably I'm assuming well, that's probably why. Yeah, I mean I think to to be able to even tell well, no, maybe you don't. If you can just say based on true story and then just say, but this you don't could say have what the anyway. story was exactly. Yeah. yeah, so they probably didn't get the rights. Yeah. Look, it's a little bit sad, but it did bring us Darren, and for that, I'm grateful. <laughs> and it did bring us uh, eating cucumber in the car. Oh, so beautiful! Oh, look, tomorrow I've got a I've got a load of cucumbers in the fridge. I will try eating that with a knife, in a gentle sort of. Uh, beautiful picturesque manner that she did and uh, i'll see i'll let you know how it goes that seems very dangerous because like what if you have to break suddenly and then the oh i'm not doing it in the car no god no yeah no just to be clear i'm not doing it while driving (laughs) i'm doing it in the safety of my own home uh with i'll type in so in our country instead of 911 it's triple zero so i'll type in triple zero on my phone and i will hit call the moment i cut myself (laughs) good yes it'll be all ready to go 
Did you? Uh, so I I did not write down any of the the priest sort of uh, when he's telling off the whole town at the very end of this piece when uh, he's saying shame on us essentially. Uh, this could have happened to anyone because this is the dark heart of our paradise. Did you happen to catch any of that the dialogue? Oh, did I catch what he said or what other people? Oh, said? I, I, no, I, yeah, I, I, I meant to write it down. I did not. Yeah, no. Basically, he was like, you know, this is a town that values perfection and and grades and, and extracurriculars and looks and money. And can be very materialist. But it turns out even ugly girls, <laughs> ugly girls like Kelly, she's worth something, you know. And he's like, maybe we pushed her to feel so perfect that she felt pushed to the edge in this way. And, and we should examine our own hearts and how we treat each other and what we value and stuff. I thought it was interesting. It's it's powerful stuff. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's one of those things where they're making the subtext not just text, but kind of super text. Like, Old letters. Like, I think... Yeah, exactly. Because we sort of got that... The, the judge said something not dissimilar when he was dismissing the case and telling off the DA. So we're just sort of getting, like, this is the the homily. This is kind of like the, you know... You, you, you now know what you should and shouldn't do based on the, the extended story that we've told you. Yeah. Like, it does, I mean, you know, I, now I know I shouldn't stab, but also I know why I would, like, the reason if I did stab, why I did. I also thought it was interesting, since she's like, I mean, I don't know if this is because it's a small town and everyone knows each other and they have to, like, come up with a reason that someone would stab someone else, or if it was because she was underage, or if it was because she was a girl, but, like, there's this need to, like, explain what she did. It's yeah. not just like, oh, she I think, snapped, well, I mean, you know? <laughs> that's probably just... It's... Yeah, exactly. I think that that's the thing. We always want a reason. We're not really happy if it's, like, something ephemeral, like, you know, mental illness or uh, social pressure or just something that we, we do always want that kind of explicable thing. And it's, I think especially when it's someone like her who's... Well, it probably would be even more confusing with the candy striping and the Meadowlark stuff. That she's also a killer. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's true that everybody always wants to know the um, motive for why someone would kill someone in such a brutal way. Um, and also, nothing has happened in this town for who knows yeah. how long. Like, it just seems like there's there's maybe, I don't know, 100 people who live there. Most of them go to school. Uh, one of them's Darren. It's just a good group. Yeah. <laughs> And the idea that one would kill one, one of them might kill one of the others is just—it's actually—it's almost you don't really know who Tori Spelling would have been scoring her weed off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where would the drug dealer be in this town. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because you don't live there, and also because we both have admitted that we're not going to joke. <laughs> this is true. It just makes me wonder if, like she wasn't like a little white girl if they had been like trying to be so understanding of her position no no and also they wouldn't make a tv movie about it that's fair <laughs> well i mean i'd like to think maybe they might now but back then no way yeah that would be too much yeah 
it would just be, well, no, of course she's crazy. So, and we're yeah. not going to pay much attention to it. All right. I think we're ready to judge this movie. Uh, I have two scales. The first scale is the actual quality of the movie, one to five stars. And then the second is how much fun did you have mocking it? How mockable do you find it? And that's also one out of five. And I change it every time to be something from the movie. Um, uh, what have we Pintos? got? Oh, I like <laughs> that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Either Pintos or Cucumbers. I mean, really, either one. Or, <laughs> I kind of like Cucumbers. Can, I, can, we rate, can we rate it on the Pinto scale and I'll give you three out of five Darrens? <laughs> it's sort of like a metric conversion. Right. The Australian versions of, uh, of, of a Pinto, the is Pinto the Darren. scale is uh, the, the Darren yeah, scale. I will say, once you've taken a ride in a Darren, you'll never feel the same. <laughs> So you had a lot of fun uh, mocking this. Oh, look on the mocking scale. Yeah, I'm gonna say it was it was a solid three or four. It was it was very mockable. The performances were super mockable. Uh, as a good movie, look, I put it. It was better than I thought it would be. I don't know, sort of a three ish. Yeah, I think for me. I was actually kind of, I did feel more sympathy for the murderer than I thought I would feel. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was I... pretty effective at that. Okay, so look, I will give it confidently, I'm giving it three Darrens out of five Pintos for uh, quality of movie. And then, yeah, for mockability, I'm going to say maybe, look, it's very watchable and very easily mocked, uh, even if you're sitting by yourself with a notebook. So I'm going to say that's a four Darrens for mockability. Nice. What about you? Yeah, I, th I think I'll give it four stars for quality, just because I did actually feel something, which yeah. <clears throat> is rare. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually feel things when I watch movies for the show. No, I, I don't blame you. I didn't think I'd feel anything starting out, but it kind of brought me around. Um... And in terms of mockability, uh, everything between Tori Spelling's character and uh, Monica? Is that her name? Yes. Yeah. No, that's okay. super mockable. Yeah. All that stuff is, is definitely mockable. And um, I thought Kelly Martin did a good job, but there are a few moments where she seems really strange. Yeah. And uh, is speaking in very obvious ways, like... I need to be popular. I need to be a part of this group. I need to do this. I'm going to speak this into existence kind of thing. Which I guess is very 90s. It's very like Oprah and the secret and all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it, She has her vision board and she's going to... She also did, unfortunately, have on the vision board a picture of a peeling knife and uh, Tori Spelling. And she just never quite was quite sure how those two would come together. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I'll fill that later. <laughs> Look, I do think I think the writing might not have been its best feature, but at the same time, I don't know how. Like it, it was so kind of corny in parts that that's what that's why it was fun. Oh yeah, it it was pretty. It was on. It was a decent good bad. Like, yeah, I I did laugh quite a bit. Particularly, look, Darren 
I built him up too much, but the cucumber thing, really, I did laugh a lot. <laughs> it is a weird thing to do in a car. <laughs> it's a weird thing to go completely unacknowledged. I think that's the strangest thing. Yeah. Like, this It'd is be a like normal it... activity. Exactly. If I was sitting here, and then throughout the entire conversation, you could hear poker music in the background, and I never acknowledged it, and you never questioned it, that would be the level of strangeness that I brought to the cucumber experience. <laughs> Another alternate title for this movie. <laughs> the, the Cucumber Experience. Oh, that's good. That's after, like, the parallax effect. It's a cucumber experience. <laughs> well, I've had a lot of fun uh, talking to you. I've had a lot of fun talking to you. Great. Uh, do you have anything to plug or a Twitter uh, handle or look, something? I have a Twitter handle that I haven't used in a while, but possibly should again. It's at DenialCon, C-O-H-N, uh, because I'm always in denial. And to plug, I think everything that I'm working on, I'm probably not allowed to talk about. And uh, even if I did, it wouldn't sound super impressive. So I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, I might put it in the show notes if uh, that changes. Otherwise, oh, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> that seems so very there. reasonable. <laughs> well, you showed me. <laughs> um. You can follow the show on Twitter at NABM Podcast. You can follow us, or I mean, you can find us on uh, Facebook. Just search for Not Another Bad Movie Podcast. You can go to our website, Not Another Bad Movie Podcast. Libsyn, L I B S Y N dot com. And, you know, Apple Podcasts, all that usual jazz. Tell a friend. That'd be nice. Um, and you're behind, you're behind the paywall on Stitcher Premium, too, right? That's. It's all the uh, old episodes. <laughs> Not quite, no. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do want to throw me a dime, you can. Search for me on Patreon, why don't you? <laughs> there we go. Um, I'd also appreciate that. So, I'll see you in a month, maybe. Bye. Bye.